1: Welcome to American Indian Living. I'm Dr. David DeRose. This is a show that we're recording from the National Congress of American Indians. It's 2016. The venue is Phoenix, Arizona. If you joined us for a previous show, we have already featured this venue. But now we're highlighting some of the amazing things that are happening at NCAI, and that includes screening. Uh, If you've ever been to a National Congress and gone to the exhibit area, we often have a variety of things happening in that venue. The American Indian Living Radio Booth is often part of those health activities. And there is a team of health professionals here checking blood sugars, checking blood pressure, doing health counseling, offering a variety of services. One of the organizations that is part of the event is Arcray USA Incorporated. And I have two of their team right in front of me right now. Julie Walker and Ken Harrison. It's great to have you guys with us. Thank you for having
2: Thank us, talk. Thank you. Doctor.
1: Now, you folks uh, were here in Phoenix, but you are not local. Tell me a little bit, Julie, about uh, where you're based.
2: I'm actually based at our corporate headquarters in Minneapolis, Minnesota.
1: Now, Minneapolis, Minnesota, for those who are a little bit geographically challenged, that's not next door to uh, Arizona, correct?
2: No, it's closer to Canada.
1: So it's a long trip from the northern plains. I, I know most of my listeners are well aware they know where Indian country is. But it's surprising in America how many people don't, you know, know basic geography. But we're talking about literally, what, thousand, probably a couple thousand miles, if I already guessed. It's
2: a ways, absolutely.
1: And uh, quite a different climate up there.
2: A little bit cooler, especially this time of year.
1: So you folks are based up in the, uh, what we call the Twin Cities area of, okay. uh, of Minnesota. And you've got uh, an illustrious background yourself, Julie. You've got all kinds of uh, letters after your name. You've got a BSN, a Bachelor's in Science in Nursing. And thats uh, is that from the University of North Dakota? Is that correct?
2: That is correct, yes.
1: And I've got some information here on you. I mean, this is pretty impressive. You've got some good uh, PR people sharing your bio with us here. You've been uh, uh, part of the International Honor Society of Nursing You've worked as a public health nurse, been doing uh, all kinds of stuff in the pharmaceutical and medical device area. Wow. How long have you been with r
2: I've been with r just about three years now.
1: So tell us a little bit about r You folks are very involved in diabetes care. Is that correct?
2: That's correct. So we manufacture and sell blood glucose monitoring systems. But we also find it very important to partner whether it's with wellness programs or discharge programs. We're out there to just really um, be the full diabetes um, health ally to those across the country.
3: And one thing that your listeners need to know, uh, ArcRay, we actually developed the very first handheld blood glucose meter in the United States in the 1980s, as well as the first A1C analyzer as well. Did you really? Absolutely. absolutely. So you're
1: educating me. I didn't know that. Mm
3: -hmm. So we've been around for over 60 years, uh, doing a lot of private label for other companies. Now we've decided to take our name to the forefront and, uh, you know, be the the face of the company now.
1: Now, now we don't want to mention any other names of products, of course, but are you telling me that Cray has been building monitors for other companies that I might know of as a physician by name?
3: For, correct, for over 60 years. I
1: get the big picture. So now you guys are going kind of direct to consumers and, and health professionals with your products. Correct, correct, correct. So, Ken, what I've got here uh, on you is that you've uh, got a bachelor's degree in marketing from uh, Southern University in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Uh, you've worked for you know, some huge companies, IBM and, and other industry leaders, and yet you've been in the healthcare career field for over uh, a decade. Is that correct? That
3: is correct, absolutely.
1: So basically you bring that uh, marketing savvy and uh, that background into what you're doing. You've also worked a lot with various hospital systems. Do I understand that correctly? Correct,
3: correct. A lot of the VA hospital systems as well as, well as the CDC and some other uh, large facilities as well.
1: Now you guys are here at the National Congress of American Indians. I understand that Cra has some type of. Uh, are you calling it an Indian health system initiative? Is that correct?
3: Correct. That is correct. Absolutely correct. Uh, we we've dedicated to um, moving forward to working with the Indian healthcare systems for a while and. Right now, we feel that uh, this conference is the way to, to, just to start doing that. So
1: Now, this is so dramatic that even as we're doing this, and we think in a secluded corner of the exhibit hall, it sounds like this epic music was starting to play <laughs> the minute I mentioned. Right, right. That's so true. All right. <laughs> and uh, for those of our listeners who are just uh, joining us for the first time, NCAA is a vibrant, vibrant setting. And uh, right now, I think you're getting a little of that ambiance with some of what's happening in the background. But I don't think that's going to interrupt our our dialogue. And I think our listeners will just feel even more like they're here at the National Congress. So we want to dive into talking about diabetes. And, Julie, I know you, with your public health nursing background, have really been on the front lines of this. You've worked with individuals, you've worked with communities, but there's a lot about diabetes. I think everybody in Indian country, everybody across demographic lines knows this is a huge epidemic. And yet uh, a lot of people don't know the basics of what diabetes is. Can you bring us up to speed?
2: Oh, absolutely. And you're absolutely correct. Diabetes... It's a disease that affects the body's ability to produce or even to respond to insulin, which is a hormone that allows the blood glucose, or what we typically hear, blood sugar, to enter the cells of the body and be used for energy.
1: Now let me see if I've got this right, Julie. Basically, we're saying that the insulin is a life... Sustaining and actually essential for life hormone that allows sugar to go from the bloodstream into the tissues. Is that right?
2: You have it absolutely correct. Yes.
1: So when someone has diabetes, what actually then is, is going on?
2: Well, you know, there's actually several forms of diabetes with type 2 being the most common. So if you have type 2 diabetes, your body does not use insulin properly. Um, this is called insulin resistance. You know, at first your pancreas makes extra insulin to make up for it, but over time it, it just can't keep up. Um, you're just not making enough of the insulin to keep the, your blood sugar at normal levels. Whereas with type 1 diabetes, which is usually diagnosed in children and young adults and was previously known as uh, juvenile diabetes, um, only 5% of people with diabetes have this form of the disease. Whereas, so, mm-hmm. so
1: let me see if I've got this, uh, these, these, this data correctly. Mm-hmm. 5% have type 1, so are we saying that roughly 90 to 95% have type 2?
2: Pretty close to that. There are some other forms of diabetes other than type 1 and type 2, but that's pretty close.
1: So basically type 1 is, uh, we used to call it juvenile. We don't call it that anymore because kids have type 2 now too, right? Absolutely. So tell us a little bit more about uh, this... Uh, type 1 diabetes, what does it actually look like? What's the basic problem? It's not insulin resistance. Am I hearing that correctly? No, it's a little bit
2: different. So whereas type 2 diabetes, your body does not use insulin properly or produces lower amounts. In type 1 diabetes, the body just does not produce insulin.
1: Okay. So basically it's a pancreatic failure. Is that often what's going on? Pretty much so. Okay. So you said there are some other Mm -hmm. forms of diabetes?
2: There are. There's actually several others, but the other one that's probably... It, third most common would be the gestational diabetes. And this is a form of the disease that develops during a time when a woman is pregnant. Um, while it's not permanent, gestational diabetes in particular needs to have special care and attention to it to um, protect the mother as well as the child. Um, once a woman has had gestational diabetes, they are at risk again with their future pregnancies to have gestational diabetes. Um, In addition, research has shown women with gestational diabetes are at greater risk for developing type 2 diabetes.
1: Wow. So basically, it's a broad subject. There's a variety of types of diabetes. Exactly. And I guess one of the things that uh, is so dangerous in my mind about a common disease is that when people hear the word diabetes, they often think, well, I know what that is, but there are a lot of topics, aren't there, that people may not know about or they might have misconceptions when it comes to diabetes? David, yes. real
3: quick, there's a third type of diabetes, and that's type 3 diabetes, and we, that's the diabetes, uh, we call that the caregiver.
1: Oh, wait a, yeah. a minute. I haven't heard this one before. Yeah. Wait, yeah, wait, wait, Now, you got my interest here. So, type 3 diabetes?
3: as We, we call that the caregiver. Because the caregiver? of the person with diabetes, because remember, everyone's affected by that, from the person that has a diabetes to the person that's actually helping them control and maintain their diabetes. And that's where RCRA kicks in. We have a number of programs to help, wellness programs. We call them U-Choose and things like that to help for not just the person with diabetes, but also for the caregivers. It provides a lot of uh, information as well as uh, newsletters, wellness kit programs to help them continue to know how to fight this battle. Because what happens, most people are diagnosed with diabetes, then they don't know what to do.
1: Okay, and so what I hear you saying is one of the big misconceptions about diabetes is that it only affects the person who has the disease. Correct. Correct. And you're saying, no, no. If there's someone in your home, someone in your family, your tribe that has A- diabetes, it's affecting you.
3: Absolutely. Absolutely. And everyone needs to be involved to help to help that person fight that battle.
1: Wow. Julie, what about other misconceptions, other things that people don't know about this relatively common condition?
2: Absolutely. You know, many people associate diabetes with being overweight And while often coinciding with excess weight, diabetes is actually a genetic disorder that is out of control. You know, certain lifestyles and habits like lack of exercise and sedentary lifestyle can impact or increase one's likelihood for developing the disease, but are not necessarily the root cause.
1: You know, what's so interesting about this, I mean, I think you're making it very practical because a lot of times people think obesity equals diabetes, but in my practice, I mean, I'm thinking right now of a couple patients I've seen over the years, one guy over 500 pounds, another guy over 600 pounds, no diabetes. So although we know that obesity increases that insulin resistance, it doesn't mean that just because you've got excess weight, you're going to have the disease, right?
2: That's correct. Correct that 's correct,
1: how many people exactly are affected by diabetes you
2: know, diabetes it actually it affects some twenty nine million people here in the u s and that equates to approximately ten percent of those persons living in the United States you know, and of those approximately eight million people don 't even know they have diabetes and often continue to go on um, and their diabetes is just it 's simply left unchecked
1: so this is based on uh, on data that we have. Uh, because a lot of people ask me, they say, well, how can anyone know that they don't have it? How do you know there's 8 million people that don't have it? Who would know and not the patient? So it's exactly. just based on statistics,
2: statistics right? Statistics from our Centers um, for Disease Control as well as the American Diabetes Association. You know, and, and what's alarming is that the rate of diagnosis in the U.S., by the year 2050, the American Diabetes Association estimates that one in three people living in the United States will actually have diabetes, You know, and this is a particular concern, because as diabetes exasperates, other types of health conditions can occur, such as kidney disease, neuropathy, skin conditions, eye complications, all the way to heart attacks and stroke, amputations, and just several other critical health care conditions.
1: Well, you know, this is so interesting, Julie, because um, there are so many people that really are... Affected by diabetes, as you mentioned, Ken, it's not just the person with the disease, it's the person who actually is caring for the individual, it's the person in the home. And uh, I think it's, it's alarming when we look at those uh, kind of statistics. As, and I think anybody in Indian country, they've heard this figure. And, and Julie, Ken, you know, tell us, is this true? A lot of people have this impression that diabetes when you look at the percentages affected, we call it prevalence in medical circles, seems like it's even greater for First Nation peoples. Is that true, or is that just a misconception?
2: We know today diabetes has reached an epidemic proportion amongst the Native Americans. And at the current rate of diagnoses, Native Americans represent almost 16% of all new cases of diabetes each year. And, you know, complications from diabetes are a major cause of death and health problems within the Native American population And what's worse is that adult-onset diabetes is increasingly being discovered within the Native American youth population.
1: Wow. And uh, I guess one of the questions that people are probably asking is, why is this happening? Why are we seeing more diabetes, especially in Native American youth, for example?
2: Exactly. Great question. You know, Indian Health Services estimates that some approximately 70% of American Indians live in urban areas with only 25% of them residing in counties served by urban Indian health programs. And while urban Indians not only share the same health problems as the general Indian population, their health problems are exacerbated in terms of mental health and physical hardships, as well as a lack of programs for health and wellness. In recent studies of the Indian urban Indian population document that poor health status and reveal that lack of adequate health care services are a serious problem for most of these families. And being
3: introduced to foods such as wheat and corn, which at one point in time, they really really lived off of the the meats and the the fruits and vegetables. And so, you know, that's had a tremendous impact.
1: We have got a lot more to talk about. You guys are not going away, right? Nope. We're staying right here. here. Okay, great. (laughs) You're listening to Dr. David DeRose and uh, my two special guests, Julie Walker and Ken Harrison. They're with Arcray. And we are going to be back with more in our next segment of today's edition of American Indian Living. We're broadcasting from the National Congress of American Indians, and we will be back with more Don't You Go Away.
0: Today's broadcast has been prerecorded. However, if you have questions about today's show or would like further information, please call 1-800-775-HOPE. That's 1-800-775-4673. We'll be right back after this.
3: This is Betty White. I know you don't need one more thing to worry about, but listen.
4: High blood pressure can cause kidney damage, blindness, heart attack, stroke. And you can have high blood pressure even if you feel all right. One in seven adults has it, but it's easy to get your blood pressure checked, and you can treat it if it is too high. So don't worry about it. Don't ignore it. Just see your doctor and check it out.
5: For your free booklet, visit the Will Rogers Institute at WRInstitute.org and find us on Facebook and Twitter. Emergency
4: medical unit, respond to 102 Maple Avenue, possible stroke victim.
5: When stroke occurs, you have 60 minutes to win or lose the race of your life. There are new treatments, but you must get to a hospital fast. If you suddenly feel weakness on one side, have trouble speaking, walking, or seeing, it could be a stroke. Call 911. Get to a hospital. Because how you spend the next 60 minutes could determine how you spend the rest of your life. Stroke, know the signs, act in time. A message from the National Institute of Neurological Disorders in Stroke.
4: If you receive disability benefits, keeping Social Security informed is key. Keeping us informed minimizes the chance that we learn about something later that could negatively affect your benefits. That's the surprise no one wants because it creates overpayments that you must repay, disrupts payments, and can even jeopardize your entitlement to Social Security benefits. Learn more about reporting responsibilities for people working and receiving disability or SSI benefits by reading our online publications, Working While Disabled, How We Can Help, and How Work Affects Your Benefits at www.socialsecurity.gov. Some changes can be reported online at www.socialsecurity.gov. You can also notify us at 1-800-772-1213 or contact your local Social Security office. Our goal at Social Security is to pay you the right amount on time every month. With your cooperation to keep us informed of changes, the likelihood of any unpleasant surprises that could derail your benefits will be greatly minimized.
0: You're listening to Dr. David DeRose on American Indian Living. Your comments and questions are welcome. Call now at 1-800-775-HOPE, 1-800-775-4673. Here again is Dr. DeRose.
1: You are back with Dr. David DeRose in the venue of NCAI 2016. We are in Phoenix, Arizona. We're in the convention center and across from me, Julie Walker and Ken Harrison. Julie, I'm glad that you and Ken uh, have been able to stay by for this next segment.
2: Oh, absolutely. We're glad to be here. Happy
1: to be here David. For those who are just joining us, Julie is a registered nurse. She has worked in public health nursing. She's currently working with Arcray USA based in Minneapolis, Minnesota, and you are heading up a whole host of really kind of corporate marketing uh, activities, right?
2: Absolutely. Anything related to clinical marketing.
1: And then, Ken, you've got a background in business. You are working especially with uh, federal accounts, and what all does that involve?
3: Well, uh, David, that involves, of course, the Indian Health Services, a lot of the VAs as well, and so is uh, other military uh, DOD departments as well.
1: So this really brings us to uh, where we left off, Julie. We were talking about the challenges with diabetes in Indian country, the rising numbers of people with the diagnosis. And in a lot of places in Indian country, just like in any other demographic, uh, funds can be very tight. I work uh, right now, I do some clinical work in an underserved area of California. A lot of my patients, uh, real challenges as far as testing, testing, is this a challenge also that you see from kind of a broader corporate perspective?
2: You know, it is, Dr. DeRose. You know, the current market for diabetes care has supplies priced. It's such a premium that many people just cannot afford to test. You know, our Cray we provide high-quality products at a price that helps underserved populations maintain proper diabetes management. You know, they, we then pair that with, you know, their supplies, with free health and wellness programs that help provide education and support to maintain a healthy lifestyle.
1: I mean, I think this is so important and so exciting for me as a physician when I see people there that are not just working to, oh, if you will, aid us in the, the diagnostics, aid in the treatment. But they're really getting at those, you know, lifestyle roots. So I've, I really appreciate that about you guys.
2: Yeah, absolutely.
1: Now, just, to, you know, as far as full disclosure, we're new friends, if you will. I hope we're friends after the show. <laughs> Even very cordial so far. But I've never heard of Arcray. And you're not a sponsor of American Indian Living. This isn't, you know, an infomercial. People that know the show, we're here at NCAI, and we talk about people that are doing things Indian, in Indian country, interfacing with tribes. And you guys are, I'll tell you, just being honest with you, maybe, maybe this reveals my ignorance, but I'd never heard of Arkray.
3: Exactly, a lot of people hadn't heard of Arkray. Again, we've been uh, the history of RCRA is We've been around for over sixty years, uh, but again, during that time, we did a lot of private label for larger uh, diabetes uh, companies. During that time, and actually, as a matter of fact, we actually are sponsoring a sponsorship here. We're actually providing the uh, meters for the free testing for the clinics here uh, at this particular show.
1: So basically, if a tribal leader or a a health leader comes by your booth you're you're giving them monitors
3: well we're we're testing them for their uh, blood sugar here at the show and we do have some monitors available that we have been giving out to to certain individuals okay and also just real quick our we're actually the um, private label for the world's largest retailer just so you know we have been for quite some time
1: so you mean to we're not again we don't want to you know talk about competing brands and products but I might have a patient who comes in with a uh, glucometer, mm-hmm. and it says some other name on it, but you're saying Arcray actually makes that device.
3: Absolutely correct.
1: And just another you know, larger company puts their their name on it.
3: Mm-hmm. Correct.
1: Really interesting stuff. Now, So you guys are looking at what's happening from a corporate level. You're looking at you know, all these changes that we you know, deal with constantly in the healthcare industry. And, uh, well, just from, you know, your perspective, we're getting acquainted. My listeners are getting acquainted with our Cray. What, uh, what kind of challenges are you guys uh, facing in, in your industry?
3: Well, Julie kind of just touched on it here real quick. In today's market, one of the biggest challenges that the industry faces is the ability to cost provide a cost-effective means of managing uh, this disease. And so that's where our comes into play. We actually uh, have helped lower the cost to where we can provide a low-cost, high-quality meter that meets, meets the standards of today's society.
1: So basically, this is a, a challenge for individuals, it's a challenge for tribes, it's a challenge for government organizations, so that's right up your alley, right, Absolutely, Can, absolutely. So let's step back then. I've got a patient, I've got a lot of patients who have diabetes, and it seems that most of the time it's not their decision what glucose meter they're going to use, but when you deal with these big accounts, government entities, tribal entities... If a tribal health leader is tuning into the show right now, and many of them do, what would you tell them? What should they be looking for in a glucose meter or for an individual if they're, you know, just in the store trying to purchase one for themselves? Mm -hmm.
3: And Absolutely. We're trying to get the word out to a lot of the tribal leaders and community that, you know, we are here now. Uh, We are a key player in their uh, market, and uh, we're doing our best to get the word out. But in the meantime, what they need to be looking for, as as far as a meter is concerned, is uh, three major things. Accuracy, affordability, and easy to use, okay. and that's where ArcRay fits the bill. Uh, when we look at things, uh, things that have been, as far as being accurate, um, a lot of meters on the market have had some some uh, some situations recently to where they have been pulled off the marketplace, and because of the fact that the FDA has tightened the uh, the rings as far as you know accuracy and, and numbers of readings on certain meters. Well, ArcRay, we haven't had that situation. We have a, a rigid uh, process before any lot of strips are released in the marketplace that we have our mm-hmm own in-house whole blood center, a lot of companies don't have that, to where we test and we test and we retest each and every lot before they're released into the marketplace.
1: Okay. So basically three areas you mentioned, accuracy, then you mentioned affordability and ease of use. So Mm -hmm. how does this affordability fit into it?
3: Affordability, one of the leading barriers to proper diabetes management, this has to do with the cost. Mm-hmm. A lot of the leading brands out there charge anywhere from 60 to 70 even $80 for a 50 supply count of, of uh, meters. It's no wonder that a lot of people are going without testing their market, their uh, blood sugar, because they, unfortunately, they can't afford it.
1: So, So do you mean to say that... That someone, when they have, we're talk, are we talking 50 meters or 50 strips? 50 you, strips. Okay, so 50 strips. So if a person is going to be checking their blood, I, I've got some patients with type 1 diabetes, and I'm telling them they need to check their sugars frequently throughout the day. So if, if someone's checking their blood sugar four to six times a day, um, let's say it's just five times a day for the sake of discussion, not six, they're going to burn through fifty strips in ten days, and you, you're saying that could cost them eighty bucks.
3: Absolutely, absolutely. So,
1: so we're talking in the range of two hundred and fifty dollars for a month.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely correct. So,
1: this definitely can be a a real factor. Huh?
3: Absolutely, absolutely, and that's where our, our rate comes into play. I mean, we provide again a quality product at a price that that can people can afford, and by helping uh, eliminate that barrier, which is cost, uh, which is how we actually have been growing within the marketplace and you know our our test strips have a, have a range I mean it's, again I don't want to give a specific number but they are, are definitely lower than what's out there in the marketplace right now.
1: Okay now let's go let's go back to this last one now ease of use mm-hmm. because one of the things I've noticed with my patients is a lot of these meters have all these features you know we give you a 7-day average, 14-day average and I got patients and they've got no clue what and, and they say here you know here's the meter doctor. Mm-hmm. So is yours somehow more intuitive than, than some of the other products out there?
3: Well, we have a lot of different uh, brands of meters. We, uh, one meter in particular that we like to talk a lot about is our expression talking meter. It's a bilingual meter. It speaks both English and Spanish. And it's a real simple-to-use meter. It has uh, extra-large icons. Uh, as a matter of fact, the patient, as soon as they get the meter, if they don't want to set any of the readings, they can actually simply just uh, put the test strip in and start testing immediately. Wow. And, again, not only does it show the large font, but it also talks as well. So, I mean, they've got two different ways to get their uh, blood sugar readings without worrying about uh, any, any
1: issues. Now, does the fact that you're here at uh, NCAI mean that you're coming out with bilingual models in Navajo and maybe some other tribal languages? You
3: know, that's that's something we're looking at. Can't make any promises, but it's definitely something we're going to look at on really? the table and put on the table. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, that's, that's exciting. Mm-hmm.
1: So basically, you folks have been talking with us about diabetes. You've been talking uh, talking with us about what, uh, what our Cray is uh, is bringing to the table. And, uh, of course, we're not trying to give some kind of, um, you know, objective overview, you know, third-party review of, of glucose monitors. And we appreciate the fact that, that you folks are excited about your products. And I, I'm just excited that we're kind of putting you out there. I mean, I, I'll be honest with you just To those of you who are my regular listeners, I haven't had a chance to check anything out about RCRAE. I know that a tribal leader who brought you guys over to me was very excited about what you're doing. I know he's very connected with healthcare throughout Indian country. I know you guys are very active in what's happening at NCAI. So, I mean, there's a number of good indicators there. But if someone's saying, well, you know, Dr. DeRose vouches by RCRAE, I'm really just like you if you're tuning in today. We're learning about a company that I've got some good vibes about. But I, I'm just hoping they're not like the hotel I'm staying in. <laughs> and let me just tell you just why I make that analogy – my wife called when she was booking the uh, the reservations out here in Phoenix for me. They, she said, David, I'm, this place is great. You know, they're right, just uh, just right across the street is the, you know, the light rail takes you right to the uh, convention center. And I found that, you know, just right across the street, there just happened to be a whole college campus, you know, <laughs> between. Now, granted, it's a community college, but still, this is not, not my definition of right across the street. So you guys are, are I think, giving us a little straighter scoop than that because you know that the FDA and stuff – they look over our shoulders when we talk about medical products, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and
3: the good thing for you, Dave, our booth is just right around the way.
1: Okay. How does someone get uh, more information about you guys?
3: You can visit our website at www.rcrayusa.com. That's arkrayus usacom
2: Otherwise, you can reach our technical customer service at 1-800-566-8558.
1: Okay. Give us that number one more time.
2: one 800 566
1: Okay, listen, I am so thankful, uh, Ken and Julie, that you were able to join us today. Uh, I'm looking forward to learning more about our Cray, and uh, hopefully our listeners will do the same. Thank you, Doctor. We're going to step away. We will be back with more on today's edition of American Indian Living. I'm Dr. David DeRose. We will continue with more great guests from the venue of Phoenix, Arizona. It's 2016. We're at the National Congress of American Indians. We've got a lot more to come. Don't go away.
0: American Indian Living will continue in a moment. If you have questions or comments about today's pre recorded broadcast, please call 1 800 775 HOPE. That's 1 800 775 4673.
5: So, you want to be a hero? Here are some ways to get the job. Hunt down that killer shark. Or run into a burning house to save a kitten. Luckily, there's an easier way to become a hero. Call 911 if you see someone experiencing the symptoms of stroke, sudden weakness on one side, or trouble speaking, walking, or seeing. Stroke. Know the signs. Act in time. You'll be a real hero. A message from the National Institute of Neurological Disorders
4: and Stroke. Can you guess what's going on here? It's Kids Getting Fit.
1: Welcome back to American Indian Living. I'm Dr. David DeRose. We continue this uh, exciting show from an exciting venue. We're at the National Congress of American Indians. We are right now in the exhibit hall in Phoenix, Arizona. And I'm enjoying this show because I'm actually meeting people who are doing things in Indian country, corporations who are involved in health care that I'm just being honest with you, all my listeners. I've never heard of these folks before, and they're doing some exciting stuff you first heard heard from uh, uh, folks in the diabetes industry. Now I've got uh, some of the leaders with a corporation called Axolotl Biologics. It is great to have John Canyon and Philip Larson with me in our virtual studio. Great to have you guys.
6: Yes, definitely. Great to be here.
1: An honor to be here. Thank you. Now, John, you are the director of partnerships with Axolotl, and Philip, you're the president. Have I got that correct?
6: Yes, that is correct.
1: Just what is Axolotl? What are you guys all about?
6: So Axolotl Biologics is focused on enabling the body's own cells and tissues to improve the quality of life through research, technology, and enterprise.
1: Okay, okay. So basically, you're talking about regenerating tissue. Am I hearing you right?
6: Yes, yes. And uh, you know, being that we're talking about diabetes, uh, diabetics are 15 uh, percent more likely to have chronic ulcers. And one of the things we do is grow uh, the patient's own skin for them in a lab and are able to place that and be able to close up chronic wounds that have lasted multiple years uh, in a matter of weeks.
1: So instead of someone having a skin graft where they will take skin from one part of the body and then actually place the, is this like an alternative to that, or is it something totally different that you're doing?
6: Yes. it's it, One, it's an alternative, mm-hmm. but two, there are some similarities. We take a small scratch of skin from behind the ear, smaller than a, a small mole or a large freckle, uh, and then some of the patients own blood, and then we're able to create these patches. And so when you do a traditional skin graft, uh, you're opening up the the patient to risks of infection, mm-hmm. additional pain, mm-hmm. uh, chance of it not healing just like their other chronic wound, uh, whereas with a small little tiny piece of skin from behind the ear, uh, they're, they're less susceptible and we're able to create a long-term solution. So.
1: Wow. Now, John, you are here and you're especially interfacing with tribal communities, tribal leaders You have deep
7: roots yourself in Indian country, don't you? I do. I actually, my father is Navajo and my mother's Navajo. So both my parents grew up on the reservation and it's very interesting to to hear the stories and for even one generation down to hear stories of my father on horse and buggy and going to the trade, going to the Cameron trading post and hiding behind the hill. And then from there going to boarding school and from there going into NAU and from there going to a, I love engineering for for he actually worked for you know aeronautical space station, so just the just his trail and path that led the way, and for an opportunity for me to network in the heart of the company to actually go back and give back was an amazing opportunity and to have such good leaders within our company you say yes because usually so this type of technology is somewhat up there and eventually the technology ventures down to different tribal lands and different tribal governments and by the time they get it, either it's outdated or it's just it's too expensive for them to use. Mm. So with our technology, we're actually going backwards. We're going to go ahead and start with this great technology that's cutting edge. No one right now in the United States has this availability to do this, and we can do this and focus on the different communities the different tribals. And not only that, it just ventures different opportunities for other people to come take advantage of it. So... It's a great opportunity, and we're excited to be a part of it. And that's what we're sharing here now at these different conventions um, for letting people know that not only is this technology available to them, but it's now. A lot of people, when we talk to people that know what they're doing, they're like, okay, is this down the road? How far is this away? We're letting them know this is something that can be in your hands now. So it's just amazing to see their excitement and to know that, one – this is for them. This is directed towards them. And unfortunately, as you probably already know, the diabetes percentage within the communities of Native Americans is unfortunately high. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so who is better to benefit from this type of technology from those who are actually suffering from it? So we're, we're really excited to give back to the community. And I need to be a part of it and to, to share these experiences and let them know that there unfortunately has been time where other communities associated with other researchers and there have been some issues when it comes to communication, but we're very transparent of what we do. We invite communities and tribal leaders to come to our facility so they can see it and see exactly what we do. So we're, we're really excited.
6: Yeah, and not only does John have ties to the Native American communities, but I do as well. My, mm. my children are one eighth, uh, Native American. Uh, and also my, my mother, she did a homestead up in Alaska when she's a little girl. And, uh, my grandfather relied heavily on Native Americans to survive the winters up there. Uh, because when you do, when, even in modern days, when you do homesteads, you can't build on the property yet. So you end up mm. in a pop up trailer or something like that. And it's, it 's pretty cold up in alaska if you uh, 've been there in the wintertime, you know it 's hard to survive, so it was the love and compassion of Native American tribes that helped them survive the winters when my my mother was a, a little girl and then uh, i 'm a fourth generation uh, Arizonan on uh-huh. my dad 's side, and uh, my my father and grandfather and great grandfather became civil engineers because they became passionate about the waterways that were created here by the Native Americans. And uh, mm. even to this day, my father, when he goes to, to spot a well, rather than relying on uh, geotech studies, uh, he goes and asks Native Americans to come out with their witch sticks and locate the, the place to drill well. So uh, they've had great impact in my family's life, and we have a, a great deal of gratitude and appreciation for the Native American communities. And, and that's really why we thought, you know, this is something that plagues the Native American community. We have an ability to help out and return uh, some of the the favors uh, that have been passed on to us by by starting off with this technology in the Native American communities.
1: I mean, this is uh, this exciting what you guys are doing, and I'm I'm just as I'm as I'm thinking about the show. I'm a very visual person, and if I were listening to our interview and me talking about axolotl, I am certain that if I were listening i would have no idea how to spell axolotl or how to find anything more out about your company because you know things are so driven by how you spell things today if you're Mm. doing a search first give us the spelling of your organization and then tell us where did this name come from because i've never heard anything like it before
6: so let's start off real quick with uh making it simple axobio.com a-x-o-b-i-o dot com and uh The spelling of axolotl is A-X-O-L-O-T-L. The axolotl is uh, Mexican salamander. My wife is from Mexico City, and she is part Aztec. Mm -hmm. Um, And so the axolotl is uh, is an amphibious creature that is the most regenerative uh, creature known to man. Uh, On top of being able to regenerate limbs, uh, uh, the animal can also rebuild their jaws, spines, and brains without any scarring. Uh, one, a professor once said, you can cut the spinal cord, crush it, remove a segment, and it will regenerate. You can cut the limbs and at any level, the wrist, the elbow, the upper arm, and it will regenerate. Um, and it's perfect every time. There is nothing missing. There is no scarring on the skin and the site of amputation. Every tissue is replaced. They can regenerate the same limb 50, 60, 100 times, and it's perfect every time. So our goal is to use the, the axolotl as a mascot. Uh, we don't use any of their genetic material or anything like that. Oh, okay, it's, a, okay. it's just a mascot. We want to be able to help the human body be able to accomplish that of what the axolotl is able to do.
1: So the axolotl is actually this name for a Mexican salamander.
6: Yeah, That's named cool. after the Aztec deity of death because it defies death by being able to regenerate.
1: Huh. Okay, well, you guys are educating me not only about uh, corporations, new corporations, corporations that have been out there a while that I'm not aware of, but also on uh, biological science here in the Americas. Now, John, you grew up with uh, a family that were engineers. You mentioned Phil kind of same story, you know, deep engineering roots in both your families. Axolotl is trying to take high tech science, translate it into things that make a difference for people and especially make that difference felt in Indian country. Am I hearing
7: you right? That is correct. And basically with our opportunity to take the technology that we have available to us and use that technology to benefit those who need it the most. Um, I even heard of some tribes being up in the 90% of how many people suffer from diabetes. So when we look for this opportunity, we did find uh, opportunities to go to different areas and different avenues. But with my deep roots of uh, being Native American and knowing the effects it has, we took that opportunity to search out those who truly need it, and we would love to present this opportunity for those as an option unfortunately those people um, who have different areas and most reservations you'll have different type of isolations people living in different areas and remote areas and usually with these wounds they can be treated and you probably notice a lot of lins- listeners who do have like well i did have this and i got it treated mm-hmm. that is fantastic and this is actually to those who might have it. your only option now is to have an amputation. So we can actually, Then usually that happens for different people in different remote areas who can't come to clinics on a routine basis, who can't have that cleaning on a routine basis. And these wounds start off small and continue to grow larger and larger. So with this uh, technology, you can actually go ahead and help those people and be able to produce the different alternatives to amputation. So
1: I'm just thinking very practically, I'm a physician, I work in a primary care setting, The patient is not going to say, Dr. DeRose, what about axolotl? Um, Couldn't they help me with this wound that's not healing? So I'm assuming that most of your marketing, most of your communications is focused toward tribal health systems and providers. Is that right or is that different?
6: Yes, that's correct. Uh, We first have to educate the physician on how to uh, harvest the tissue that will then grow out uh, and then how to treat the wound uh, once Uh, once they get the skin back because you have to take a chronic wound and make it acute by uh, stripping it of the dead tissue that Mm -hmm. is present in the wound and then being able to place the the patch on a fresh wound. So uh, we have to have them be at least knowledgeable of the science and the processes. Uh, And then on top of that, there has to be reimbursement for it. Um, uh, Many uh, people struggle with being able to pay for health care and whatnot. Um, And so we have to ensure that the communities are willing to to pay for these treatments.
1: So you folks are focused on regenerating tissues. We've been talking about its application in wounds, especially in diabetic wounds. But when I think of my patient population, I know there's a whole lot of people who wished uh, they had access to something that would regenerate the cartilage in their joints, are you doing work in that area, or are you pretty much focused on uh, skin and in that area right now?
6: So, actually, our first product to market was for regrowing cartilage. Oh, and it was so okay. yeah. It's an amniotic uh, allograft, so it's derived from the placenta uh, after a child's born cesarean section. So it's not uh, derived from an abortion or uh, anything of that nature. Um, But we're able to take that membrane and extract the cells and growth factors from that and expand them out.
1: Wow. And this has actually been shown to help regenerate cartilage.
6: Yes. Yes, it has been.
1: Wow. You guys are doing a lot of exciting stuff. I'm glad that you're not going away. Am I understanding right that you guys can stay by? Yes. at least some of your team? Listen, we're going to be coming back. If you're tuning into American Indian Living, we've got a lot more exciting stuff to come. We're talking with uh, the team from Axolotl Biologics at axobio.com. They've got more to talk about the difference they're making in Indian country right now and what they hope to do in the future and how it can impact you and your tribe. I'm Dr. David DeRose. We will be back with more on today's edition of American Indian Living. Don't go away.
0: Today's broadcast has been pre-recorded.
5: You're listening to Dr.
0: David DeRose on American Indian Living. Your comments and questions are welcome. Call now at 1-800-775-HOPE, 1-800-775-4673. Here again is Dr. DeRose.
1: You're back with Dr. David DeRose. We are talking about... Axolotl Biologics. We started the show by talking about Arcray, a diabetes care company uh, that's making a difference in Indian country. Now we're speaking about another uh, corporation that is especially reaching out to Native Americans. They are focused especially on the topic of regeneration. With me now is... uh, john canyon john has stayed by their director of partnerships he is navajo if you've been with us from the beginning of the show and uh... next to him is bob mcguire the ceo bob it's great to have you with us now
8: thanks david glad to be here bob how long has axolotl
1: been around
8: uh... since the beginning of this year we were founded
1: okay so you guys new company but the research has been going on for some years right two years correct okay and how were you personally involved in that process?
8: Um, I was in grad school at Arizona State University. Got interested in regenerative medicine and the benefits of it. Started while I had a day job as a VP of sales at a software company. Started burning the midnight oil till 3 a.m. Doing research on the FDA site, on regenerative medicine, stem cell therapies. So it's definitely been a... Um, something that I'm passionate about. So it's been almost two years of research that have gone into this.
1: So John, Navajo background, you've seen the problems of diabetes in Indian country. You've been sharing with us some of your enthusiasm for what you're doing, but tell me what's happening at this conference. I know it's early in the you know venue here at NCAI, but what are tribal leaders, uh, First Nation peoples, telling you about what you folks are doing?
7: It's, it's actually a good question. So a lot of times we'll have different responses from different people. For example, I'll talk to an elder, and I'll explain to them, and they'll ask us what we're doing and what we're, what we're situated with, and I'll explain to them the process. And it's really interesting to hear people's feedback. Some people might come to the idea, for example, oh, that's a little spooky for me. And then I would always come back. And and traditionally in Navajo culture, there were certain things that we just didn't do. For example, if someone passed away, you weren't supposed to touch the body. You weren't supposed to say certain names associated with that. So a lot of things where there's fill that traditional background. And that's where I feel that I could actually have a benefit because I understand there is no, there's a culture associated with the tribes. And each culture is a little bit different. Each tribe is a little different. But a lot of times there's a sacredness that's situated with it. And a lot of times when people talk about using the body to heal itself, that's very common for a lot of tribes. A lot of tribes are comfortable with the idea of using Mother Nature, using different type of avenues to heal itself. And so we're doing the same technology with science and technology behind it, using our own bodies to help heal ourselves. So once we kind of get past that bridge, it's just amazing that uh, the eyes open and all of a sudden we're on the same page and they see the enthusiasm behind it, that there is a potential and there is a glimmer of hope that we can actually go ahead and defeat this diabetes issue that a lot of nations suffer from.
1: Now, Bob, you as the CEO of the uh, corporation – had to have a special interest in Indian country. We've talked with Phil and, and John, you know, who both have personal connections. Was yours a, a personal family connection or was it recognizing needs in Indian country? What drove you as the CEO to make such a, a, a an emphasis on reaching out to tribal communities?
8: Uh, good question, David. Um, I think with the propensity of diabetes and the native american community there was an opportunity to help these people suffering from diabetes and because of the number of people and the percent high percentages that have diabetes they're an ideal group that we feel that we can benefit and help
1: now when we speak about regeneration and diabetes we've been focused on talking about skin wounds non-healing ulcers But I know a lot of times in medical circles, when we speak about regenerating in diabetes, people are speaking about regenerating the pancreas. Is that an area that you folks are interested in, or is that uh, kind of tangential to where your emphasis is?
8: That's an area that we will be doing research in, and we are looking to some of the Native American tribes for funding to do research for the pancreas. In the meantime, um, our focus is the company's orthopedic and wound care, and in this case, wound care, chronic wounds, charcot foot, venous leg ulcers are all conditions that we could help uh, solve for the Native Americans.
1: Okay, well, let's talk about that uh, uh, charcot or charcot foot, depending on, you know, how it's pronounced. I think it's, uh, you know, if we're in France, they call it charcot foot, but it's this foot problem that is caused by diabetic neuropathy so nerve damage and then there's destruction of the of the foot and the orthopedic structures how how do you guys get involved with making a difference there
8: well we have the we're getting the exclusive license to a patent where we can grow a patient's own skin in 5 days multiple 4-inch by 4-inch patches of their own skin. So the benefit is closing up open wounds. So currently they're taking medication to alleviate the pain. The wounds aren't healing, which Mm -hmm. can lead to amputation, Mm -hmm. which can not only be costly but lead to psychological issues, not being able to work. So there are many effects in someone's life that we're
1: hoping to make a change in. Now, you said you can grow a 4-inch by 4-inch square of skin in how many days? Five days. I mean, just starting with how much? How much do you start with? So we take uh, some blood sample from
8: the patient. Uh We take a skin sample the size of a skin mole from behind the ear, Uh and then we process that um, in a collagen matrix, and then in five days, we can have multiple 4-inch by 4-inch patches the benefit for the patient is it's their own skin. Uh-huh. Uh, it's immune privilege because it's their own skin. Right, right. Um, they don't have to harvest skin from other parts of the body, mm-hmm. which can open them up to infection, also lead to psychological issues because now instead of having a damaged area, they have multiple areas with scarring. Mm-hmm. So, And then obviously
1: closing the wound up for good.
2: Hmm.
1: Well, this is pretty amazing stuff. And how widely is it being used? Are you finding tribes are... Uh, just jumping on the bandwagon, so to speak, and starting to use this technology, or are there still a lot of hurdles?
8: Um, I don't know if there are hurdles. I think a lot of it, David, is education. Mm -hmm. So I think there are probably areas out there, tribes that are looking into it, that are funding research in certain areas. Um, But our goal is to educate and then collaborate to do research with the Native Americans. So
1: a lot of people, listen to this show, they have no native roots at all, can they call or go on the website and say, hey, I'm a physician, I was listening to the program, can I uh, take advantage of this technology? Is that an option? Absolutely. Anyone in the world that has diabetes, uh, we're hoping
8: to have a positive effect on.
1: So a, a practitioner listening to this show in Tennessee could take the blood and the tissue from a patient and send it to you guys here in Arizona and you'd send these things back to them? Is that how it works?
8: Yes. So we'd have to train them on the process Mm -hmm. of harvesting, and then we'd have kits that we'd get to them. So once they harvest it, they send it back, we do the process, and then we send it out to them. And one of our goals is to offer this at no charge to first responders Mm. out there. So that's our focus, to help people, the Veterans Administration, one in four vets, has diabetes. Um, annually today it costs about $60,000 per patient for treatment, for medication, so on. Mm-hmm. And then when you get to amputation of toe, foot, um, above the knee, costs can go from 15000 to 65000 based on the amputation. So there's quite a return on investment and benefit not only in the quality of lives, but um, as far as costs also.
1: Wow, wow. You guys are doing some exciting stuff. Uh, John, I know you've shared a little bit about Native culture, about the Navajo uh, perspective on some of this, some of the, oh, maybe eyebrows that get raised when uh, people first hear about this. Where do you see things going over the next year or two in Indian country?
7: I believe that there are so many tribes looking for opportunities. I think each tribe has its... It's goal goal, um, definitely, to overcome. And there have been great strides with the wellness programs and diet and exercise. Um, but unfortunately, because of the different areas associated with this, they're looking for other avenues. And I think this is absolutely an avenue they're looking at. A lot of people are gathering information, saying this is something we want to follow. or some people are right on, saying this is something we want to do. So I think once certain tribes make that decision and it shows the avenue, I think a lot of people will follow with that.
1: Now, Bob... There's people that have listened today. They want more information about Axolotl. How do they get that?
8: Uh, They can go to our website at www.axobio.com. Our main phone number is 602-334-1298. They can call us, and we can uh, give them guidance or talk to them. So those are probably the two best ways to reach us, David.
1: And is it best for uh, a practitioner to call i mean if, if a tribe is saying hey we're interested in this technology is best for a health director someone at tribal council who's the best point of contact as far as making that call
8: a- anyone that wants to make the connection to bring us in so we'll talk to anybody
1: okay great give us that contact information once more
8: our website is www.axobio.com and our main phone number is 602 602-
1: 3341298. Okay. And we'd love to hear from you. Thanks so much Bob and John. It's been great to have you on the show. We have got to go. You've been listening to American Indian Living. I'm Dr. David DeRose. Hopefully today's show has encouraged you and given you some things that will help you enjoy the very best of health.
4: Native Voice 1. The Native American Radio
0: Network.